Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the people of Mars and the Moon. Good morning to those outer space travelers heading towards Jupiter. Good morning to the Starfleet battling near Pluto. It's Thursday, July the 27th, 2023. Indeed, Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. You can go out tomorrow night and hang out with your buddies. You can go to that new wine bar off of 6th Street. Maybe try that country tavern. I hear some new mix-alt band is playing. It's going to be crazy. A little bit of country. A little bit of western. A little bit of punk. Why don't you go to that place? Here's an article from the Tacoma News Tribune. It was published on July the 25th by Craig Saylor. <clears throat> Headline, Upper Peninsula Man in Critical Condition After Being Shot in Baseball Bat vs. Gun versus Gun Road Rage Incident. And I read on. When two drivers pulled over to apparently settle a Tacoma to Kitsap County road rage incident on Monday, one came armed with a baseball bat, the other came armed with a, and the other a gun. Now a university place man is hospitalized with a gunshot wound, and another man is in jail. The Washington State Patrol said it received reports around 1.49 p.m. Monday of two vehicles driving aggressively in the westbound lanes of State Route 16 near Mullinix Road. Charging papers filed Tuesday state the incident actually began 27 miles to the south in Tacoma. The two vehicles, a black 1999 Toyota 4Runner, and a silver 2004 Chrysler 300M made a U-turn into the eastbound lanes of State Route 16 in Gorst and then pulled over in the parking lot of a business. The Chrysler driver, a 68-year-old university man, exited his vehicle, as did the Toyota driver, a 26-year-old Burian man identified as Mark Keith Smith. Charging papers filed by the Kitsap prosecuting attorney state that Smith told police he was attempting to merge into an exit lane on Interstate 5 and pulled in behind the victim's car. The victim made an obscene gesture, and Smith responded by flashing his lights, he told police. Both drivers continued driving on State Route 16 from Tacoma into Kitsap County. Smith 
alleged the victim tried to run him off of State Route 16 several times before both drivers pulled over and gorsed. Smith exited his vehicle with a gun in his pocket, and the victim exited his car with a baseball bat. <laughs> Chicago way, motherfucker. At some point, the victim grabbed for Smith's gun, he told investigators. Smith stated in self-defense he grabbed his gun and swung it around to prevent the victim from getting it and must have had his finger on the trigger because the gun went off, Washington State Patrol investigator Michael Osberg wrote. I later watched cell phone footage showing Smith and the victim standing toe-to-toe in a verbal argument, Osberg wrote. Smith reaches towards his pocket, pulls the gun out, points it at the victim's head. The victim grabs Smith's arm to push the gun away. Smith pulls the gun back to the right, sweeps the gun back forward, pointing the gun directly at the victim, and fires a round into his head. Smith then fled the scene. Sometime later, Kitsap County Sheriff's deputy found the Toyota and Smith on Southwest Lake Flora Road near State Route 3, Washington State Patrol spokesperson Catherine Weather Weatherwax said. Wow, Weatherwax. Smith had hidden a backpack and a 9mm pistol near some bushes and was trying to sc- scrape an identifying sticker that read Hoonigan off of his vehicle. The charging paper state. The university place man was transported to St. Joseph Medical Center in Tacoma in critical condition. Smith is charged with first-degree assault. Eastbound lanes of State Route 16 were closed during the investigation, backing traffic up to Silverdale, Weatherwax said. About 10 years ago, approximately 10 years ago. I was living in Seattle. I was driving home from work. About 10 years ago, approximately a decade ago, I was in downtown Seattle driving home from work. And there was a woman with kids in her minivan. I I, want to repeat that. A woman with a couple kids in her minivan talking on her mobile phone, really, really angry. She almost ran into me. I got off at an exit, and because it was traffic, because it was slow, the exit slowed me, and I could see this woman still angry, still driving angry, with two kids in her minivan. I watched as she plowed into the car ahead of her. I don't know if she got injured. I don't know if she harmed her kids. But what was clear to me a decade ago was that her anger was way more important than A, her life, and B, her kids. In some ways, um, when you think about biblical, I I need to drink some coffee here, thank you. In some ways, when you think about um, biblical prophecy, it is reflexive. Um, 
like a mirror image of something. It is responsive, like it is responding to something. It is a copy, and yet not a copy. It's not symmetric. It is reflective and reflexive. I don't think it's as simple as the often quoted sort of Masonic view of things as above, so below, because in part, it's just way more nuanced. This is not an equal battle. Evil and good are not equal. This is not like Star Wars, okay? It's not. Good and evil are not on the same footing. At the end of the day, what we know, and as Christians we know and we believe, is Satan can't win. I mean, Satan can run around... Satan can tickle your soul. Satan can make you deals. Satan can grift the fuck out of the world. He's been doing it since the beginning, but he can't actually win. Of course, Satan thinks he can win, but that's a different story, ain't it? There was a garden of creation at the beginning of time. You may have different views of it. You may have a secular view. Well, Dan, I think there was a Big Bang 10 billion years ago. I think the stuff of the world, really the universe cooled off and it formed galaxies and solar. Yeah, I get it. Solar systems and the earth formed out of a giant melted mass. I get it. And then there are people who I would call radical Christians in terms of their belief in the creation story. And they would tend to say, no, no, no. The earth was created about 5,000 years ago, maybe 6,000. But depending upon your perspective, there was this time, right, of innocence. This time when the slate was clean. And so let's just think of the garden, both in terms of what the Bible says, but, you know, in fairness to my secular friends out there, we can think of it as the time before men and women, before people. And in the garden, the great grifter said, hey, did you know that God is lying to you? You see that tree over there? <laughs> if you eat from that tree, you'll know everything God knows. Everything. You'll know about cigarettes, You'll know about whiskey. You'll know about rocket ships if you just eat that fruit. There was a garden. I believe there was a garden. And I believe at the end of times, Satan and his followers built his own, you know, their own garden. Um... There is this satanic garden, and within the fences of the devil's garden, his servants have been really busy tilling the soil, planting and nourishing, preparing the flowers for the Antichrist. Preparing the coming of the Antichrist. I think this process has been ongoing a long time, brothers and sisters, but in many ways it became a frenzy post 9-11. And since March of 2020, it seems as if, if the work, the work on the garden, is almost complete. The Lord had his garden. He had a place of innocence, and it was a paradise. And the devil, you know, being the oldest of all professional people, he grifted the hell out of people. He lied to them. 
You see, the thing about the devil, he tells you the good stuff. He says, if you eat that fruit, you're going to know everything that God knows. But what you don't end up learning is that along with all the good stuff, you learn a lot of shitty stuff. You learn a lot of fucking horrible shit. You learn about murder. You learn about rape. And you get to see with your own eyes a grown woman caring more about her anger and her mobile phone than she cared about her kids. You get to read a story about an old man and a young man so unwilling to get over their anger that they decide to, you know, go fisticuffs, to die, to kill each other. Over what? Some issue on the fucking highway? I wish I could tell you this is going to get better, but the devil has his garden. Just like the Lord had his garden. Are they equal? No. But in some fractional way, if you want to understand the paradise and bliss of the beginning, you have to see the darkness of the soil of today. And you can peer into it and say to yourself, wow, it must have been pretty cool. And yet, at the same time, we didn't get to stay. Next topic. Dan, I don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. It's like Solomon. When the Lord offered him so many things to include hookers and gold. And by the way, if you got gold, you can get your hookers and you can hire smart people. But instead, Solomon says, I'd like to be wise. I would like to understand to some extent what you see, Lord. And I don't know if the Lord tried to make too big an argument. I mean, the Lord loved Solomon. So he probably just said, you know what? I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. And like so many gifts in life, it's also a kind of lesson. Solomon took the wisdom and he found out something kind of horrible. It gives you the wisdom to see the beautiful and that's great. But it also gives you the wisdom to see the crap. And the problem with the human race, whether it was, you know, 4,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago or today, whether you're talking about Solomon's time or today, the problem about the human race 3,000 years ago or today is that it turns out there's way more people like these dipshits on State Route 16 or the woman I was talking about or any number of cases. There are way more people who would promote the madness of 2020. There are way more people who would scare their neighbors to fucking death as they did during the COVID. And they're still doing, my friends. With the wisdom comes the knowledge that there are good people, but there are a shit ton of turds. Next topic. So this is a cautionary warning. Um, and I say the following, for the sake of your soul, don't get suckered by the latest kind of eruption of UFO alien bullshit. There's a documentary called Mirage Men. I highly recommend it. Some of you it'll piss off. I had a quote-unquote friend, friend once, I say a quote-unquote friend, 
who was simply pissed off that I mentioned the title of the movie, and in retrospect, it makes me think. If you see Pope Francis in the coming months introduce some Nordic type, because remember, there are like these six or seven different types of aliens. There's the greys, there's the reptilians, there's the quadrofleck people, there's the insectozoids, and don't forget the Nordics who look kind of like us. If Pope Francis at some point in the next year says, here's my, my pal Ziglon, he's a human just like you, he comes from a planet just like you, he comes to help us with our bullshit. Meet my friend Ziglon, you know? If Pope Francis introduces what I would have called two years ago, Starship Jesus, be really fucking careful. It's not gonna be Jesus. He will tell lies. He'll say, you know, Jesus was, a, was an alien, but Jesus was not your friend. Jesus was an alien, but he was not your friend. That's what Ziglon says. It feels right now as if there are tremors in the world. It really does. Tremors in the spirit of the world. You know, I've told you about Boomer the last few weeks. He's been really paranoid. Looking back every 20 or 50 feet, as if to say, Dan, there's something behind us. I, I can barely see it, and I'm a dog, and I got superpowers. And I can't see anything. I can't see a skunk or a cat. I can't see a bird or a bat, but Boomer's convinced that little Sharpay mutt that something's walking behind us. And I don't think Boomer would be on guard if it was something good, if it was something helpful. I think he's on guard because it's something ugly. There are tremors in the spirit of the world right now. If you're sensitive to it, if your third eye hasn't been totally carpet bombed by Ukraine drag queen story time, BLM chap chas race war Trump Biden bullshit, if you can still sense things that are actually true, maybe you can sense the tremors in the world. Maybe. I can't really say. Don't be surprised. Given all the nonsense that's originated from Pope Francis' mouth, his mouth, um, don't be surprised if his sinful mouth introduces an alien soon. And he will say, this is our savior. And he will say, you know, this is the person that's going to help us. And Christians were always wrong. Don't be surprised if Pope Francis does that. Don't be surprised if you can see this and others can't. The Lord said more or less that most people won't see the truth at the end. So don't be surprised if you see the truth and people think you're crazy. And if we enter a three-year period where Ziglon is made world emperor, those first three years will probably be magical. 
those first three years will be like Disneyland. Everybody will have a full belly. Everybody will have a job. Everybody will be happy, except for those people who suspect that there's something else going on. Things will seem great for about three years. Don't be surprised during those three years if your friends think you're crazy. Why would you reject Starship Jesus? Why would you reject Ziglon? He came here in a starship. Why don't you show me your starship? Yeah, why don't you show me your starship, Dan? Show me your spacecraft. Show me your capsule. Have you been to the moon, Dan? <laughs> no, no, I haven't even been to space. And, and believe me, um, of all the tiny clubs that someone might comment about, less than 700 people have been to space. What would George Carlin say? It's a real small club. You're never going to be a member. It's a real small club since 1961. You should research how many people crossed the Atlantic in the 10 years after Lindbergh crossed the Atlantic between 1926 and 1936. I would say it was a site more than 700 people. And if you come back, well, Dan, space is really, really, really hard. To be able to say you've been to space, you only have to go up about 50 fucking miles. Lindbergh crossed, I think, a couple thousand miles in a rinky-dink mail plane that almost crashed a couple times. Tell me again about how easy it was for Lindbergh to do it and how hard it is to get somebody up about 50 fucking miles. Well, Dan, you're comparing, I'm comparing apples to other kinds of apples, shithead. Next topic. Next topic. And before I go on, once again, it is July the 27th, 2023. It's just after 5 a.m. Mountain Standard Time in Scompton, Utah. Yeah. Be careful on those roads, am I right? Pope Innocent I was the Bishop of Rome from 401 AD to his death on 12 March of 417. From the beginning of his papacy, he was seen as the general arbitrator of ecclesiastical disputes in both the East and the West. He confirmed the prerogatives of the Archbishop of Thessalonica and issued a decretal on disciplinary matters referred to him by the Bishop of Rouen, he defended the exiled John Chrysostom and consulted with the bishops of Africa concerning the Pelagian controversy, confirming the decisions of the African synods. The Catholic priest-scholar Johann Peter Kirsch, 1500 years later, described Innocent as a very energetic and highly gifted individual who fulfilled admirably the duties of his office. Innocent I lost no opportunity in maintaining and extending the authority of the Roman Apostolic See. 
which was seen as the ultimate resort for the settlement of ecclesiastical disputes. His communications with Vitricius of Rouen, Exuperius of Toulouse, Alexander of Antioch and others, as well as his actions on the appeal made by him by John Chrysostom against Theophilus of Alexandria, showed that the opportunities for this kind were numerous and varied. He took a decided view on the Pelagian controversy, confirming the decisions of the Synod of the province of Proconsular Africa held in Carthage in 416 AD, confirming the condemnation which had been pronounced in 411 against Celestius, who shared the views of Pelagius. He also wrote in the same year in a similar sense to the fathers of the Numidian Synod of Malive, who had addressed him, Soon after this, five African bishops, among them St. Augustine, wrote a personal letter to Innocent regarding their own position in the matter of Pelagianism. In addition, he acted as a metropolitan over the bishops of Italia Subercaria. Historian Zosismus, in his Historian Nova, suggests that during the sack of Rome in 410 by Alaric I, Innocent was willing to per permit private pagan practices as a temporary measure. However, Zosimus also suggests that this attempt by the pagans to restore public worship failed due to lack of public interest, suggesting that Rome had been successfully Christianized in the last century. Among Innocent I's letters is one to Jerome and another to John II, Bishop of Jerusalem, regarding annoyances to which the former had been subjected by the Pelagians at Bethlehem. He died on 12 March 417. Accordingly, his feast day is now celebrated on 12 March, though from the 13th to the 20th century, he was commemorated on 28 July. His successor, Zosismus, in four... Yeah, yeah, there you go. In 405 AD, Pope Innocent sent a list of sacred books to a Gallic bishop, Exuberius of Toulouse, identical with that of Trent, which took place more than a thousand years later, except for some uncertainty in the man... You know, I'm going to stop right here. If you ever end up going on the internet and you expect to find the truth about anybody at this point, you're probably going to be disappointed. Here's what I'll say about uh, the Bishop of Rome, Innocent. I'm not going to say Pope, because he was the Bishop of Rome. Calling him the Pope is more about the Romans than it is about Christianity. But here's what I'll say. He was the first, quote-unquote, one of the first, quote-unquote, popes um, about less than a century after Constantine made Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. And, you know, at that point in time, the Roman Empire was split into two halves, the Western and the Eastern. And the Eastern had its own church. That's why you still have the Greek Orthodox Church today. It's also why if, if someone asks you, when did Rome fall? And you say, well, I don't know, sometime in the 5th century, you're wrong. Rome fell in 1453 when the Turks scaled the walls of Constantinople, the last holdout of the Eastern Roman Empire. That's when Rome fell. Make no mistake, 
When Constantine made Christianity a state religion, he chose to take that power and somehow reinfuse the Roman Empire with that power. You can believe the propaganda about how he was on a battlefield and he saw a glowing cross, but that's not remotely what happened. And then later, when Constantine supported the Council of Nicaea, he more or less rubber-stamped people, human beings, picking which books would be in the Bible and which books wouldn't. And as I said before, the word survives the human hand. The human hand is weak compared to God. The, the devil's hand is weak compared to God. But that doesn't mean humans don't attempt to be shitheads. They do it all the time. The fact that he was called an innocent, innocent, Pope innocent, I think is funny. Because in today's terminology, we would say, well, he must have been such a good person. But we'll never know the truth about him any more than we'll know the truth about a lot of other Roman emperors. And I say Roman emperors because that's what Pope Innocent I was, a Roman emperor. Pope Francis is a Roman emperor. And if you don't want to call him a Roman emperor, then you can call him the Bishop of Rome. But why exactly is that infernal little city that caused so much pain for hundreds of years, why would that place be the place that we think the Pope should sit? The Pope could sit where Jesus was born. The Pope could sit in Jerusalem where Jesus died. The Pope could sit in a lot of different places, but why Rome? If you come back to me, well, Dan, I, I think it's somewhere. No, it's not. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we need to have an emperor of Christianity. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we need to create a new class of Pharisees called bishops and cardinals. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you should use Christianity to keep the Roman Empire from dying. Nowhere. If Christ wanted the Roman Empire to survive, he would have explicitly said it. And if, if your comeback is, well, Christ was confused or Christ didn't know, then, yeah, that's called heresy. That's actual heresy to claim that the Son of God was too dumb to know that the Roman Empire should have a state religion and that it would be Christianity. Yeah, I think Christ would have said that. If Christ would have told us about what the end times would look like, <laughs> how can I put this? I think he would have let us know, hey, there are going to be these popes, and these popes are going to have armies, and these popes are going to kill people. In fact, at one point, they would just go around killing kids. And then they would also promote, you know, child trafficking and rape. And, and they would help a lot of Nazis get out of Germany if Christ thought that these were things that would happen and they were important to Christianity, he would have said it, but he didn't. So my thoughts on Pope Innocent I are the following. You can believe the garbage you find on the internet. You can believe the garbage that the Catholic Church will tell you. That is your choice. At this point in history, we all have to make choices. The Lord gave us free will, and we have to choose. But if you're going to choose the emperor of Rome, I'm not going to call him pope. I'll call him emperor. I'll call him bishop of Rome if he has humility and to recognize that he is equal to all others. But that's not the truth. The Roman church has far too much wealth, far too much property to call itself the equal of any other bishopric.
Pontifus Maximus. I believe that's another name for the emperor. But I gotta say, if you needed a fake John the Baptist to introduce the Antichrist, I can't think of a better fucking choice than the Pope. I can't. Pope Francis has said there ain't no devil. And then he came, oh, but I was wrong. Well, let's think on that for a second. Catholics will tell me the Pope can't be wrong. And yet Pope Francis has been caught in one public relations blender after another. He says there's no devil, then he says there is. So which Bishop of Rome do you want to believe? The one that says there is a devil or the one that says there isn't? And if you think the corruption of the Catholic Church is a recent phenomenon, you haven't studied its history. You certainly don't know about the Borgias. Corruption, evil, darkness have been part of the Vatican since the Western Roman Empire fell. And when the Western Roman Empire fell, as I've said before, a zombie rose up in its place. And a lot of people treat it like a religion, but it's really an empire. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Futility is the rock that sharpens courage. What does that mean, Dan? Well, there are there are folks who study ethics and morality, and you'll find them in philosophy, de in philosophy departments. <clears throat> you'll find them in, in a missionary school or a Bible college. You'll find them everywhere, people who study both ethics and morality, um, who study the question of how do we know what is right and wrong, and also who talk about a specific formula for right and wrong. Ethics, morality. They're not the same thing, really. And there have been philosophers in the last hundred years, um, last couple hundred really, who promoted the basic idea of utilitarianism, which means that the end justifies the means. And it's not new, really. It goes back to Thrasymachus and Plato's Republic. He's the one that makes the argument, you know, 2,400 years ago, right? Might makes right. If you got power, you can do it. If you've got a big enough bat or a big enough gun, whatever you end up doing is right. I had a, a quote-unquote friend once about 20 years ago, and he told me that what is moral is what you can get away with. He didn't even say what is moral is what's legal. He said if you can get away with it, it's right. And at the time, I was still an atheist, so I shook my head and I thought, this guy's an empty vessel but I really didn't have much filling my vessel, so why should I comment? Maybe this craphead was right. Maybe if you can get away with it, right, it, it must be okay. And I know of a lot of folks in the anarchist movement, um, you can call them sterner types, based on that 19th century relic, who kind of feel the same way. If you've got the strength and the power, if you've got a bigger bat or a bigger gun, then whatever you say is right, and let the slaves just die by the wayside. That's the way it should be. 
But then there have been other thinkers in the last couple hundred years, and many of these come from the world of existentialism, but not all of them. And one of them, Immanuel Kant, would have said, wait a minute. Nobody can predict the future. You can't. Nobody can. God can because he controls the future, but no human can predict the future. So if you see someone drowning and you say to yourself, I can't possibly save that person, ergo, I should do nothing, Immanuel Kant would say, you're a coward. You're a coward. Before the world, before right and wrong, before God, you are a coward. You don't know what's going to happen. You could jump in the water. You could drown. You could jump in the water. You could, eat, you could get eaten by a shark. You could jump in the water and you could possibly save that kid. And it gets worse from here. You could jump in the water. You could save that kid. And that kid could grow up to be a giant turd, which so many people do these days. And that kid could end up causing harm in the world and hurting people. You simply don't know. You can't know. But what you can do is try to do the right thing. You can make the moral choice irrespective of predictive outcome because you simply cannot know. A lot of the things that we confront right now as Christians, and even as non-Christians, as anarchists, libertarians, people who want to live in a free society, a lot of the forces we confront seem huge. And I think a lot of that smoke and mirrors bullshit, but even if it is, it doesn't matter. You remember that Twilight Zone episode with the giant, the inflatable giant, the, the giant that was filled with hot air? Well, the little human people living in the cabin didn't know that. They simply saw a giant that was 300 feet tall. And yet, the silly little human with his pistol shoots at the giant, and the air starts coming out, and then they find a tiny spaceship with tiny little people living inside. And they scream, oh my god, the humans are coming for us. Oh my god giant fake alien didn't work. Giant fake alien did not work. You can't know. You could be in the cabin with your hoochie-coochie lover and some giant could be outside shaking the cabin and it might be an actual giant or it could just be a bag of hot air. You really can't know. They could tell you that there's a magical monkey herpes killing grandma, killing grandpa. So you need to put arrows on the floor of the grocery store. You need to wear a coffee filter that you miraculously take off to sit down at the restaurant. You got to shut down the churches, but make sure the Walmart stays open. They could tell you there's this terrible pandemic and scare the hell out of you. You've got a choice. You can believe their bullshit. You can believe their inflatable giant bullshit, or you can make the choice to do the right thing. Those are your options. Those, that's it. And at some point, you may encounter an actual giant. At some point, you may encounter an impossible situation. And more often than not, in this crooked world, you'll do the right thing and you'll fail. Take it from me. 
I tried to do the right thing even when I wasn't a Christian, and I failed. And looking back, I can see that as failure, or I can see it as the futility, as a rock that sharpens my principles and my courage. I could see it as a failure, I could see it as a loss, or I could see it as the rock that sharpens my courage. That's your choice. But if you think you can predict the future, you're wrong. You can't. You can't predict the future. You can make guesses. In 2019, I did a podcast called The Great Discontinuity. I made a set of guesses. In retrospect, I give myself a B or a B plus. Okay, some of my listeners might give me an A minus. Fine. I didn't get everything right. I got a lot of stuff right. For instance, I talked about um, the powers that be using a bioweapon, but I never conceived in that podcast that it might be all fake, which frankly, when you think about it, a fake pandemic is way more fucking useful, way more controllable than a real one. A real one runs the risk of life just doing what life does because the Lord created it and it'll do its own thing. Real pandemics are god-awful dangerous, but fake pandemics, they're actually a lot of fun if you're a sociopathic shitbird. You can build yourself an inflatable giant. You can pump it full of hot air. You can have it wander around Seattle for months and months and months scaring the fuck out of people. You can call it the COVID. You can call it BLM Antifa. You can call it whatever other issue is scaring people, dividing people, pushing people in the corners. And that giant inflatable monstrosity can wander around your city scaring the fuck out of people. Or you can choose to go outside your door and poke a hole in it. Those are your options. They've always been your options. There aren't any other options. If the Pope comes out and says, here's Ziglon, he's from another planet, he's going to save us, you can believe he's the all-powerful Ziglon. And you can say to yourself, well, what choice do we have, Dan? We're certainly not helping ourselves. Or you can choose to do the right thing and think for yourself. And if you suspect that Ziglon is bullshit, how can I put this? You might be right, my friend. It might just be a big old inflatable giant. Next topic. By the way, you could say that, well, Dan, you're quixotic, and maybe it's based upon a story called Don Quixote by Cervantes, and I could be quixotic, maybe, but here's the difference between me and Don Quixote. I'm not putting the power into the illusion. In fact, I would argue that all the crazy people of 2020 were the quixotic ones. They saw giants when there was only a giant bag of hot air. So who's the quixotic one, motherfucker? Next topic. People running towards their gold as the master presses his mold. People running to the sin, 
ready to give in. And the dark one laughs, the joke's on him. A nation of slaves acting like kings, a nation of rapists, a nation of thieves. And in a trembling voice you ask, God, why did you do this? Why'd you do this to us, God? And the Lord looks down with a frown and says, Buddy, you broke it, you fix it. You broke it. I broke it. We broke it. We can spend all day shaking our fists at God. It's an old story. It goes back thousands of years. Somebody killed my husband. Somebody killed my wife. Somebody attacked my children. God, why did you do this to us? You know, God, we wanted a king, and I know you told us that kings are crap, but why did you give us such terrible kings? Why did you do this to us? There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that, especially when it comes to the wounded on the battlefield phenomenon that I've talked about. Whether it's autism, whether it's cancer, whether it's dementia, or to include a number of other issues that you can put under the same umbrella. Lots of folks shake their fists at God and say, why did you do this to us? Okay, lots of folks in the Utah area have health issues. Okay, lots of folks in the Utah area have health issues because of above ground tests that happened in Nevada. A lot of above ground nuclear tests between the 40s and the early 60s. And people will shake their fists at God and say, why did you do this to us? Why? Perhaps there were folks in Hiroshima and Nagasaki just days after the bomb was dropped who shook, shook their fists at God and say, why'd you do this to us? Why did you burn us alive? I'm sure there were good Germans who survived Dresden who shook their fists at God and said, why did you do this to us? Buddy, you broke it, you fix it. This wasn't God. This might have been the hand of the devil, it probably was, and you had a choice you had to make. And instead of making the right choice, you made the utilitarian choice. Instead of digging deeper, you scratched the surface. You can be as angry at God as you want to. I've been there, done that. But the problem is my reason, my logic takes me back to the same place. God didn't do this to you. Other people did this to you. Yeah. God didn't create the hydrogen bomb. Humans did. God didn't invent the idea of biological warfare. Humans, thousands of years ago, figured out how to take a, a dead, decaying body, a diseased body, and dump it in a well or launch it over the side of a castle. God didn't do that. People did that. We broke it. We have to fix it. Now, according to prophecy, the likelihood that we're going to have enough people who are ready to fix it is pretty much zero. But that doesn't mean we can't. It just means we probably won't. And a lot of folks will spend all day shaking their fist at God and saying to themselves, oh my, oh my, why did the Lord do this to me? 
as their home is taken from them by the bank, as the cops bust down their door and shoot their dog, they shake their fist and say, Jesus, why'd you do this to me? Are you testing me? And the Lord looks down and says what he said to the Israelites, and he'll say this to you. You broke it. You fix it. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The closer you get to the truth about the devil, the more of his workers turn their gaze towards you. The closer you get to the truth about Lucifer, the more of his demons turn their gaze towards you. The closer you get to the truth about evil, that it's a choice, that you can reject it, the more of his soldiers turn their eyes towards you, Dr. Freckles. What does that mean, Dan? It means be careful. I said this in a podcast a few days ago, and I'll say it again. There is very little likelihood that you or I know who the Antichrist is. We can make guesses. I mean, I'm, I'm beginning to suspect that there's a high likelihood that he will be revealed soon. And I believe, I can't prove, that the person that will reveal the Antichrist is going to be Pope Francis. That is a prediction. Is it a certainty? No. Is it a good guess? It might not even be a good guess. It is a guess based upon intuition. But as the Lord says, he's going to come like a thief in the night. So there's very little chance that you're going to know for sure. But let's say you built a database of all men between the ages of, let's say, 30 No, let's say 25 and 45. Build a database of all men between the age of 25 and 45. They have to be single men. They can't be married. They can't have kids. Single men, no kids. They probably have to be Jewish. They can't really be somebody known, but at the same time, they are likely to come from a position of power. Whereas the Lord came from a very basic existence, I'm pretty certain that the devil is going to promote his son as someone that comes from privilege. So if you built a database of all men on planet Earth between the age of 25 and 45, assume college educated, assume Jewish, assume rich, or coming from a rich family, I would venture to guess that that list might be as small as 5 million men. And you say, well, that's a big number. Not for somebody that works with databases, not for me. And then you take their photographs and you say, based upon, in fact, you don't even have to. You get an AI to use the standards of symmetry, the standards of art, and say, AI, I've taught you what beautiful is. I've taught you what that kind of desert sort of austere, attractive is. Go ahead and find that list within the 5 million. And I bet you get the list down to about 5,000. And if out of that 5,000, 
you're able to, to get it to like, let's say a hundred, and then you actually end up by accident picking the right one, you would be better off etching that name in stone and tossing it into the river, as I said before. You would be better off keeping it to yourself. If you happen to be right, especially before the revelation, before the beginning, before the false prophet, the false John the Baptist says, hey folks, a starship just entered orbit. It sent us a signal. It sent us an alien signal. NASA decoded it. It's an alien signal. The starship entered orbit. Ziglon's on his way. by accident you actually picked accurately the Antichrist, if by accident you actually knew who that person was, not really know, but you made a good guess, and you told people you would be putting your life and their life in danger if it happens before. And there are Christians who believe in something called the rapture. Not all Christians do. And as a good friend of mine has said, it's not salvation critical because it's prophecy. And none of us can know for sure. Prophecy is important. It gives you signposts. It gives you a map. And I believe when things do happen, it provides the basis for faith. It is a miracle. But, you know, it's prophecy. And none of us are so brilliant that we're going to figure out all the details. If you figured out who that person was before it happens, you would be putting your life in danger. You'd be putting the lives of the people you care about in danger. Doesn't mean you're a sinner. In fact, I think the Lord would smile. The Lord would smile if you made a good, a good choice. I think the Lord would smile because you let the Holy Spirit in and you use your brain and you made a good choice. But I also think at the same time, the Lord would shake his head and say, okay, you know, <laughs> fuck around, find out, right? Because it is a plan. And it's going to unfold, not according to your whim or my whim. And it doesn't matter how many nuclear weapons we have. It's a plan. And it's just going to happen. Is that determinism? No. No. You still have a choice. You're going to have a choice right up until the last moment. You're going to have a choice right up to the point they say, Do you want to eat? Oh, you want to eat? Take the mark. Do you want to have a home? You want to have a home? Take the mark. Do you want to have a normal life on this planet Boblimpdok? You better take that fucking mark, baby. Right up until that moment, you'll still have a choice. And you can choose to do one or the other. You can choose whichever thing you want to do. You still have a choice. But the closer you get to the truth about Lucifer, the, the closer you get to the truth about the devil, yeah, the more his helpers kind of turn their eyes at you. Here's a little truth about the devil that I've told people in the past. And if you're a Satanist and you're listening to me, you better fucking listen up. The devil hates all people. This is obscured by a lot of pop culture bullshit. The devil hates the whole fucking human race. But of the entire human race, do you know who the devil hates the most? Oh, it's Christians. He hates no. It's the Mormons. No, it's not the Mormons. It's Jehovah's. No, it's not Jehovah's Witness. And it's not the children of Jacob. 
The people that the devil hates the most are his own followers, his own sycophants. The people that preach his word are the ones the devil hates the most. This is free advice. This is truth. This is the truth that could save your fucking soul. Not just your life, but your soul. Of all humans, the devil hates his followers the most. Of all humans, the ones that will really face tremendous torture are the ones that love Lucifer. Because he's disgusted by it. He doesn't want your love. He doesn't want your worship. The devil, since the beginning of mankind, has only wanted one thing. God back. You want to know what a jilted lover is? That's Lucifer. Lucifer was the most beautiful of all angels. Lucifer was the most beloved of all angels. God loved Lucifer above all. And then God created man. Do you think that bothers Lucifer just a a little bit? He hates you. But if you claim to love him, he hates you the most. And by the way, if you like shaking your fist at God because of cancer and atom bombs and prejudice and all types of government bullshit, if you like to shake your fist at God because the river catches fire, because the water has lead in it, you're better off shaking your fist at man, but probably or probably and more precisely, you're better off shaking your fist at the devil. Just some free advice. Next topic. Dan, I can't believe it. No, you can't, buddy. But I think you will soon. You just won't have a fucking choice. Fire in the heavens. Smoke in the air. The dragon gets closer, not one soul dares to care. All that is left is the rubble of the human mind. All that is left is the soulless for demons to find. And if you are the one who waited till when, again, tell me, what were you waiting for? The end? You hear it from above noise from the mountain, the dragon's breath blows, no one really knows. All that is left is a world of pain. All that is left is nothing to gain. And you said, be patient to the Lord. Give me some time, Lord. What did St. Augustine say? Make me chase, but not yet. What was that, St. Augustine? Say it again. I think the Lord is bored. Bored. They sang the song for the many, a song heard from far away around the world. The saints and the angels all as one. There's no more time for fun. All their voices praising God, all their voices erasing fear. And you said, please, can I have another beer? But silence, a rumble, a chastisement in flame and stone. Brother against brother, father against son, sister against mother, everything undone.
brother against brother, father against son, sister against mother, everything undone. But yeah, maybe you have some more time. Maybe you got time to pick up the phone, to send an email. Maybe you still have time to mend a broken fence between yourself and your family. Maybe you still have time to, re- to ask for redemption, to pray, to get a Bible, to read it. Maybe you still have time. My advice is you might not have as much time as you think. It's just some advice. Dan, but Pope uh, Pope Francis is going to tell you all kinds of crap. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. When a gaslighter says, let's keep this private, you probably should let somebody know. When a gaslighter says, can we talk in secret, you're probably going to want to let someone know. If a gaslighter takes you up a hill someplace in Ireland and reveals to you a deep plan about the human unity movement, or HUM, and how he wants to get everybody to hum at the same time, and how he thinks there's microphones in every little tree in that little nowhere place in Ireland, maybe, instead of keeping your mouth shut, maybe you should let people know. There are a lot of folks who will take advantage of you. A lot of adults will take advantage of children. And and by the way, this is a classic move within the Catholic Church, within the priesthood. Listen, you know, altar boy. Listen, little Daniel. This is between us. You don't need to tell anybody. You can keep a secret. Little Bobby, little Michael, little Anna. Just keep it a secret. It's between us. Keep it private. Brothers and sisters, uh, one of the cornerstones of abuse is this idea uh, that you should keep this kind of evil private. That's one of the ways they make it work. That's why 2020 was such a, I'm not going to say godsend, it was such a benefit, such a bonus that the devil gave his followers. 2020 was the perfect time for people to abuse their children. 2020 was the perfect time for angry fathers and angry mothers to take advantage of their kids. 2020 was the perfect time for folks to say, this is between us, and by the way, put on your fucking coffee filter. Put on your mask. How many children were more easily trafficked in 2020 because of that wretched lie? We'll never know. You'll never know. God has the counter, but you don't. But I'm fairly certain 2020 enabled one of the greatest and worst and most horrific periods in child abuse in human history. If you were sensitive to it, you could feel it. It wasn't grandma dying. I could walk up to Harborview and see the fucking hospital was empty. I had listeners around the country checking hospitals. They were fucking empty. But in every little home and every little apartment where there was a wretched mom or wretched dad, I'm certain something was happening. And since that mask covered up most of that human communication that is not verbal, since that mask covered up the truth of seeing tears and seeing fear, well, you didn't know either, or at least you didn't want to know. 
You were too busy scaring your neighbor to death. But yeah, shake your fist at God though, right? Shake your fist at God. Don't investigate the hospitals. God forbid you hire a lawyer and you go through the discovery process with a hospital system. I kind of think it's going to happen for really selfish reasons. You know, it's going to happen anyways. But God forbid you question the hospitals. God forbid, right, you grab your camera and walk down the street and see Chaz Chopia with your own fucking eyes. God forbid you try to seek the truth, right? It's much easier to pretend there's a giant inflatable man chasing you down the street. It's much easier to pretend that there's something magical about that wretched city Rome built on the graves of the Tarquins. It's much easier to, pre to play pretend about aliens, isn't it? Ziglon's coming, and he's going to give everybody everything they ever fucking wanted, right? If a gaslighter tells you something has to be kept secret, that's a good cue that you should find somebody else. Maybe you have someone else in your life you can reach out to. That's a good reason to go reach out to that person. Is it possible that that person's going to gaslight you too? Yeah, I've been through that. I'm raising my left hand right now. I'll raise my right hand and I'll tell you before God. I've been through that. I've, I've taken that truth to somebody else and been shut down. But that doesn't mean you should give up. If an abuser or a gaslighter says, let's keep this private, that is the red flag that you need to tell somebody. And I don't mean a cop. <laughs> Telling a cop ain't going to fix it. If you listen to this podcast and you like it, I don't know why, because, hey, sometimes it's really heavy. But if you listen to this podcast and you like it, I just want to give you some information. Um, number one, and if you can sense, the, sense it in my voice, there's a reason for it. Um, the situation I'm in right now, as far as my living situation, is not that great. Um, it's not something that's being done to me by bad people. It's actually just a situation people find themselves in. They don't have enough resources. I don't know anybody with extra resources. Nobody has extra money. For all that printed money that supposedly was printed in the last decade or so, and I think it was, most people I know don't have a fucking wheelbarrow or the money to put in it. So yeah, the reality is I could be homeless in about a month. And if I'm a good Christian, I should face that to, to, to the extent possible unafraid, and I'm going to. I should also have the faith that God will provide, and I'm going to try to keep that faith. But it doesn't change the fact that in a few weeks, I'm simply not going to have a home. So you should know this. It Does it mean you should give more or less? That's up to you, brothers and sisters. Can I use some help? Absolutely. Probably everybody in your family, if you're like me, probably everybody on your block could use some help. Number two, take care of your food, your water, your shelter first. Before you give random people on the internet money, take care of the things you need to take care of. Number three, there are probably people in your life that you love who could use some help. Help them first before you help a random stranger. Number five, 
If you've set aside food for your family, for your kids, about six months, I think if it's, I think if you need more than six months, like I said, there is no basement big enough. But if you set aside six months worth of food for your family, make sure you're thinking about your dog, your cat, your parrot. I, I have a special place in my heart for dogs because I think that your dog will lay down your life for you. Even your little chihuahua will do what it can to protect you. So if you're thinking about your family, think about your whole family when you're prepping. And yes, we are in strange times, possibly dark times. I, I would suggest, you know, you don't play it too loosely at this point, but it's also not the end of the world. And one of the things the Lord wants us to do, especially in the face of evil, is to be joyous, is to be happy, okay? So if you have the extra resources, once you've done all the other things, take care of yourself psychologically. Try to find some peace in the world for yourself. If that means going to some restaurant, if that means going to a movie, and while the grocery store still has steak and potatoes and other things, if that means cooking a good dinner for your friends, a.k.a. a fellowship offering, if that means all those things and other things, as long as you're not harming yourself or harming others, the Lord smiles, okay? So do that before you send a random stranger your money. But if you've done all the above and you still have bazillions of dollars left over, that is good. You can donate as much as you want to. If you're a Texas billionaire and you said, well, Dan, I don't know what to do with my millions of dollars. I just spent it all on cocaine and hookers. And you can only have so many cocaine and hookers. Then you can go ahead and send me that money. Okay, send me a million bucks. I'll tell you what I would do with it. I would take care of my food, my water, my shelter. I would take care of the people I care about. In that order, I would help and help myself, and try to, to the extent possible, keep podcasting. Uh, maybe even improve the show. Can I say those words uh, unironically? Can I say those words without a little bit of a crooked smile? No, because the reality is I don't think podcasting or websites or blogs or Bitcoin or any of this technology is going to amount to a pile of shit pretty soon. But while things are what they are, why not try to be happy? So if you have the resources and you like my podcast, you can donate as much as you want to. The truth is, other than a couple people, my donations have dried up completely. They've dried up more or less. And the person that has been mostly donating, I can't just beg, for, beg money from him because he has a family. So if you have the resources and can donate 20 bucks, for example, or whatever, I'd appreciate it, but you don't have to. In fact, just by listening, you're donating your time. It's almost 6 a.m. on Thursday, July the 27th, 2023, Bo Blimp Doc. And I don't know what you're going to do today, but can I give you some advice? If you're driving down the road and somebody does something shitty, smile and carry on. If you're walking down the street and someone's acting like a jerk, smile and carry on. If you go into a 7-Eleven 
and some weird-looking dude without a coffee filter on their face has a kid that looks scared but has a coffee filter on their face, why don't you do the right thing? Why don't you do what Immanuel Kant would suggest? Go up to that man and that child and ask a few questions. Maybe you won't get the right answers. Maybe you'll never know for sure. But just don't, just do more than nothing. Do more than what most of us did in 2020. Don't just look away. Just don't play pretend. And if you feel like shaking your fist at God today, do yourself a favor. Shake your fist at the right fucking target. And it's not God. Have a great day.